Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Another show today, Front Porch Conversation on Justice. Uh, we're happy to be with you on this wonderful day. Conversation on Justice. Uh, it's been a while. We've been off the air for a little bit, but we're back in the swing of things now, and we're more energized than before. Uh, we've got a lot of good topics and speakers, uh, conversationalists, I should say, lined up for the next two months, and we'll be getting into some really great topic areas uh, concerning justice, biblical and social justice issues. But today we're going to delve into the topic uh Today is It's My Neighborhood. It's My Neighborhood. We're going to be talking about uh, the community, the neighborhoods, the development of, of, the, of the same, and how we go about uh, energizing the folks to take ownership uh, in the communities. And we have two very special guests with us that are from Hampton, Virginia, that uh, actually working in their neighborhood uh, because of various reasons. Uh, one is Pastor Gail Roberts' house who's the pastor of Open Door Full Gospel Baptist Fellowship in Hampton, Virginia. Welcome, Pastor House. Thank you. Good afternoon. Thanks so much for having me. Well, the sun is not shining, but if you could probably bring some sunshine to this conversation today, we'll appreciate that. I'd be glad to. Thanks. (laughs) All right. All right. And we also have on here Kenny Tice. Kenny is a, a community resident in the FIBA section of Hampton. Uh, he's also, uh, for his employment, to keep us fed at lunchtime, he works for Office Depot as a business pro manager. Welcome, Kenny. Good afternoon. How are you? So glad that you had us on. Well, if you're that glad, then you can buy me lunch or breakfast tomorrow. So. <laughs> sure, as long as, 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 as long as we can, uh, we'll, we'll get together. We'll figure out something. Oh yeah, and I'm not talking about the budget menu either. So uh, I thought the dollar menu was the specialty. <laughs> yeah, not today, not today. So we're going to be talking about again the, the topic of it's my neighborhood, um, and I understand both of you are in the Phoebus section of Hampton, whether you're living there or or working there, or worshiping there, or whatever the case may be. So, Pastor House, tell tell us your reason for being there and and and. Uh, and what what is the focus at this point in terms of your outlook in terms of the Phoebus community? Okay, well, let me give you a little bit of history about our church. Um, our church actually was founded in 1989, and we were fortunate to purchase the building that we are now located, that is in the right there in Phoebus on Cummings Avenue. Uh, we've been there since uh, 1991. Uh, at that time, my husband was the founding pastor. Uh, but upon his demise in 2010, 
I became the pastor of the church. Um, we have actually lived in the Phoebus community um, since probably 19, early 90s. Uh, since then, we moved. However, we were there for an extended period of time, and our church has been located there the entire time. Um, living in Phoebus, we, uh, as I actually worked um, across the street from where we lived at Bryan Elementary School, and we've seen uh, the transition of a very calm neighborhood, a neighborhood where uh, folks would play outside. In fact, when my son was younger, we lived in a cul-de-sac, and he was able to play outside in that cul-de-sac with children outside, people on their porches. And it was a kind of friendly neighborhood, um, just like old times, and we were able to really enjoy that. Because our church is located in Phoebus, we became an integral part of the community because not only did we worship there, but we lived there. And so we didn't want it to be a one-stop shop and just attend church on Sundays and not be really a part of the rest of the community. So we um, took a, a, a real great part in communicating with our neighbors in and around our church on Cummings Avenue. We met neighbors who were there on other streets that surrounded us, and we became what we would consider good neighbors, ones that spoke to each other. We took care of their property when they were gone, uh, knew each other, knew their family members, and it was just a very wholesome environment. Um, since the time we moved from there, I've seen a change. Uh, still transient, however, because the church is still there, um, I make it a very intentional focus to make sure I know my surrounding neighbors. And uh, so we took on a project as doing prayer walks in the community and just going down the streets and instead of walking like to Fort Monroe for my evening walk, I would begin to walk down my community street, um, the street there around my church, just to get to know the people that were there, for them to get to know me, and to enhance our relationships. And I found just by speaking to them, letting them know who we are and where we're located, it's brought a more wholesome environment. And I really feel like when people get to know you and they see you on a regular basis, it continues to build those relationships. So in the same token, though, we've seen people in our neighborhood who um, don't come and stay for a long period of time, probably because many of the homes, the homeowners now have moved away uh, or have they retired maybe in another location. So we have a lot more rental property. Of course, with rental property, you notice more transient you know, families. But then again, as a good neighbor, I've found that it's really important for us to still get to know them and to build relationships with them so that we can keep the wholesome environment of our community. So I've made great efforts in intentionally making sure that I'm around those, those streets, uh, communicate with them, and do activities that will enhance knowing them even the more so that we become real neighbors and a thriving community. Now, one of the uh, a question that, or a comment that really pops in my head, um, what does the church mean to that community? Is, is it a stabilizing force in that community? Is it something that the people look towards in terms of uh, resolving issues or, or coming uh, to just to have a place to talk and congregate, or is it just a, a Sunday morning thing? Okay, we have um, intentionally made sure that our church is an integral part of the community, uh, merely by even our vision statement. Our vision statement says that we are a God-centered support system in the community, and we're committed to Christian um, education, and we're thriving to make sure that our building is not just a building that we come to on Sunday and worship. Uh, my husband would often say, if we didn't come back here for another week, would anyone ever miss us? And I've always felt that in my spirit. So we are the location where people come and are able to come and secure different kinds of services. We're actually a, a, a off-site satellite for the workforce development program. Persons can actually come and register online and um, complete resumes. Um, look for jobs, do job searches. We also have a food distribution that's basically open 
and available for persons all the time, but we have a scheduled food distribution on the third Saturday of each month where we you know, give out the bread and the food and the USDA, those kinds of things. We also have our uh, Bible studies on Wednesday, but I'm also there earlier, for per- and persons know that I'm available for any kind of counseling sessions or just information purposes. We're also available for counseling for persons who maybe um, intend to get married or want to get married or just want some information. And because we're so visible outside of the walls of the church, it's a very inviting situation. There's, there's never a week where someone just rings the doorbell to say, you know, is Pastor G available? I uh, just want to run, her, run something by her. Or um, if, if someone is available, maybe to use the church facility. So we have intentionally been a part of the community and made it available for those persons who can use it not only to come and worship with us on Sunday, which we'd love to have them do that, but that's never, ever... The, the total aim That's never ever the, the objective You know come worship with us And be a member of our church If we welcome all persons to come And to be a part of what we consider A viable location In the community for service So in other words You're uh, Relating the church to Not being an event but a movement In the community is that correct Absolutely Never a one-time event, always developing a movement and a journey. Um, and we always want to be able to use the concept and for persons to have the concept that we are there with you and for you. Not an answer, uh, but a place to come together to unify our community and those areas of concern that we have together that we can make a wholesome environment for all of us to live. Great, great. Kenny, you've lived in the neighborhood how long now? I've lived in the neighborhood since 92, but my background actually started a little bit further back than that. Uh, I'm a product of Hampton University, so which is right at the edge of the neighborhood. Um, My friends, the people that I had contacts with were Phoebus natives. So for me, moving into Phoebus was kind of a natural um, a, a natural development. So once I got into the neighborhood, I think like everybody else, you know, you go into your 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 business, your your work, and you things happen, and you don't maintain those same relationships. You know, when I first got into the neighborhood, we had a very well established, very uh, seasoned. Uh, neighborhood where everybody talked to, everybody looked out for one another, uh, like Pastor was saying when she was in that neighborhood, um, we communicated. But over the years, um, you know, those seasoned people who were in our neighborhood transitioned, moved on, moved in with, you know, their, their children, and the neighborhoods have become a little bit more transient. Um, you have a lot of new people. And just like everybody else, I got caught up with work and, and, and everything, and I traveled a little bit for the job. And as it every, seems like every time I came back, there was somebody new into the neighborhood. And while, yes, we tried to reach out and touch with that, those people, um, that always didn't happen. I think that that is kind of indicative of what's happened in our Phoebus community right now. Well, let me just just toss this question out to both of you, um, or a statement. Uh, over over time, obviously, some things have happened and transpired transpired in that neighborhood, as um, most neighborhoods, and and you got guys kind of uh, alluded to some of that. But what sort of issues uh, started cropping up that you know that became worrisome, worrisome, and uh, that needed addressing uh, in some in some sort of collective manner? Uh, and, and what's being done to address those issues at this, at this time? Okay, I'll start um, with with that discussion. Um, I've seen uh, more children not being occupied, not having things to do. So we have children that when we do see them, they're just hanging out in the street as opposed to uh, being inside or being at a, in a controlled environment 
in a supervised manner. Yes, we do have a um, community center in the neighborhood, but it, it appears that many of the programs that were there have, are no longer there, so children have a lot more free time. Uh, we've also seen a lot more, I guess you would call it, um, I, I don't want to identify them as, as gang-related, but we've seen more violence, uh, more fighting. Years ago, kids, um, you know, if they had a disagreement about something, you know, they maybe have a fight, a fist fight, and it would be over. They'd go get, home, go get their big brother and say, you know, we're going to just, you know, we're going to settle it and it's going to be fine. But now, children no longer do that. Um, if there's an argument, uh, we've seen our, our young people killing each other. I mean, literally. Um, so weapons are a part of what we see. Uh, violence, just so much violence, so much bullying. So we've, we've, we have grown into this system where we find we have to get back in control. We have senior citizens who are now afraid to come out on their porches and um, just talk to people. They're afraid to be out after a certain time, want to be in their home secured. So we've seen uh, a lot of changes um, based on societal issues, political issues, but we've, we've watched it grow. And so it's so vital to me, um, not only being the pastor of the church, but being a part of the community to bring back that wholesomeness, to bring back the, the, the um, I guess, the, the wanting to be a community again, to want to know each other, to build relationships again. So it's time now for us to vigilantly and intentionally make greater efforts to talk to each other and to visit each other. And we've literally begun to do that as we are going out now into our community and knocking on doors and saying we really have to come together to make this better for everyone. Pastor, I have to echo that. You know, I I grew up in one of the, they say, the roughest cities in the country in Chicago, but I remember us being able to go out and play and being able to ride our bikes almost across the city. And although it was bad at that time, you know, we still had this this sense of unification. The kids played together. We organized something, a parent or something, or someone was able to say, let's go to a game, let's go to a park, let's, you know, let's have something structured for our youth. And what I see now with the neighborhood in Cedars, because it has transitioned from a more mature uh, community to a younger community, that we have lost that kind of focus. Everybody's time has become so valuable that they have pretty much moved away from our, our youth focus and keeping them safe. You know, I drive past the community center two times a day, three times a day, four times a day, all the time. And what I find and see is that our youth are just outside sort of playing, but sort of just hanging in our streets. And it would seem as though if there was some kind of structured piece, something for them to do, then they would be out of that mischief state um, that we're seeing crop up so so fast in, the, in our community. Well, what, what's... What has stigmatized the community? Um, surely it has a reserv- it has some sort of reputation at this time uh, that it didn't once have. And I hear you both talking to the fact that the community has transitioned from their older, older stable to um, to a more transitional community, a younger community that's rental and in and out. Uh, but has crime been the major factor that stigmatized the area, or 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 are people just labeling certain sections of Phoebus? Like, uh, I know you talk about the community center, North Phoebus, and it gets a reputation, and uh, and it feels like it's disjointed from the rest of the community. Uh, how are you working to bring those communities back together as one community and not just uh, a section against a section? Well, I think one of the things that we've done was to establish the dialogue at that particular community center. And I think by bringing people together at this time, um, 
being able, having them walk into the community center, understanding what's happening in there, meeting some of the youth that are there, um, I think is changing of that perspective a little bit. I mean, and I'll be the first to admit, I lived in the neighborhood almost 15 years before I even stepped foot in the community center, and it's really in walking distance uh, to my house. And it wasn't because I didn't want to be there. It was just because I had no reason. And I think that with the neighborhood shifting the way it is, I don't think that our uh, our people who are moving into the neighborhood who don't have kids really have a reason to look at it. So I think by, by establishing these dialogues, by establishing uh, the the need to go and visit and walk through and meet those uh, people who are trying to make the community better uh, has solved, I think, the first step that we need to take. Yeah, and I can agree with what Tony uh, has said. We were able to, on um, the holiday, Martin Luther King Jr. holiday that Monday, uh, we're able to join in with um, other groups to, like, revitalize uh, the North Phoenix Community Center. I'm not really sure where the stigma began or where it started, but it's, I guess in, in all cities there's certain schools, certain areas that for some reason they get some kind of negative feedback or some kind of negative connotation. Uh, I know, like, Hampton High has always been a rival with Phoebus High School. Uh, I'm not sure if that started years ago or what, but Phoebus High School has had such a great, um, they have a great reputation for great folks who have come out of there and who have been, who are lawyers, attorneys. I mean, great people. In fact, the young lady that wrote the book, um, Hidden Figures, she's a graduate of Phoebus High School. Like, you know, the best kept secret has been things at Phoebus. So I'm not real sure how the uh, negative stigma has become, but as Penny said, we are now able to meet and dialogue together and come to those locations, to that location particularly, because I'm still trying to figure out where North Phoebus is, where South Phoebus is. I'm not real sure. But I guess because it's called, in fact, the community center, from what my understanding, was called the Bradley Center. I don't know when the name changed, but it became North Phoebus Community Center, and then the housing development there became the North Phoebus Housing so I'm not really sure where it came from, but back to what I was saying about Martin Luther King. That day, uh, we were able to come into that center and literally clean up, clean up rooms, um, take out equipment and different things that were no longer needed. Painting was done. And what was so great about it, everybody from all areas of life within the community and the surrounding communities were able to come together. We had folks from city council painting. We had some of the neighbors coming in and cleaning up. It was like old times where everyone was just coming to make sure it looked good, it smelled good. And I'm telling you, that whole time was a time for reflection. And people were talking about the great times they had had before and how we really should get back to that. So I think that was a catalyst for us coming to where we are now, having more dialogue having more sessions together, coming together and saying, we have this facility available to us. We have this community with all these persons who are willing and able to come together and do something positive. So we're going to continue to build that momentum. So after that day, the cleanup on the inside and the outside, then we contacted the city um, because it was time for the outside to look better. You know, you want to come to a place that's inviting and uh, looks safe. And so the outside has now been painted, and it looks nice, a great new sign. The signage is there. We now have um, the Phoebus Community Garden in the back. It's been fenced in, and we have great signage there, too. The basketball uh, courts have been redone. So people are now coming back. We're trying to emphasize the need to have activities actually there at the community center as a means of, um, I guess, a meeting point to, for everyone to come out and just enjoy each other and to realize that we can be this great community again. You know, some people say that, um, I hear, I've been told that 
they don't believe that a neighborhood or a community has the assets amongst the people who live there to make a significant difference in that community. Uh, what is your feeling on that? I know for a fact that everything we need is right there in our community. It's just like church, Charles. Everything you need to happen in church is always is already there. You just have to build the momentum and create a catalyst or give an initiative to say, look, we know what you have. We know what you can do. Let's build on this together. So what we've done, uh, and it started on that day, uh, Martin Luther King holiday, we actually had a short survey, um, and the survey was only like five questions. And persons actually went around throughout the neighborhood and asked those questions like, um, you know, what would make your neighborhood better? Uh, what could you do to help us make this a better place to, to be? Um, what kinds of things do you do? What kinds of things are you interested in? And we discovered just on that day a couple that um, had had background in fencing and crocheting and uh, was very willing to come to the center and to uh, begin to have classes. Um, we were also able to find persons who had ran track and who had been on teams right there in Phoebus, they were willing to work with a group of kids to enhance that talent in them. Found a, a lady who um, is musically inclined, and she was saying it would be great to have some kind of community choir. So it's just a matter of someone taking the initiative to make the first step to find out what is in the community, and after finding out, they're doing follow-up to say, you know, we identified that you're able to do A, B, and C. Could you help us in helping others to use your talents and gifts? So it's just a matter of someone taking the initiative to make the first step. I think a lot of times people want to do, but maybe they don't, they're not really sure if they want to do it or not, or if they're going to have somebody to help them do it, or how they're going to be received. So it really has to take a a person who can, a go-getter, to say, you know, we got to make this better. Somebody has to make the first move, and after making the first move, we have people that are willing to come along. Everyone can't be the leader, uh, but we need someone to be the catalyst to initiate and then bring it into full swing. So, so what are Absolutely. you using? Yeah, what, what, what vehicle or what tool are you using at this time to bring the community together to start this dialogue, this dialogue and conversation to, to, to start working on some of the issues or at least identifying the issues and, and move it forward, forward from there? Okay, I didn't know if Kenny was going to say something, but um, I'll, I'll go on and I'll let him say something. Uh, we are actually using the ABCD uh, process, the Asset-Based Community Development Process where you actually identify assets within the community by using that initial survey, uh, creating a database of those persons and what they're able to do, and coming together and then identifying the areas in which people have identified through the survey. Uh, actually, we're in a beginning phase of that process. We uh, continuously are t getting the survey information, and we actually had our first um, gathering, I would say, uh, where we had identified the areas of concern. Um, we had two major areas. Safety was one, and community development was another. So we actually came together at the center. Uh, we were at two different tables. Um, all those items were listed from the surveys. We were able to discuss what we meant by each of those areas, each of the survey indicators. What actually did we want to incorporate? What, what do we mean by those things, and how would we be able to help along with other assistance and resources from the city to make it better? So after doing that, we identified priorities um, in the area. And one of the priorities for safety for us was identified with the 20-some people that were there was police. Uh, we wanted more police present. Uh, we wanted uh, more reaction time. Uh, but yet we wanted to also be the people uh, in the community that were available walking the streets and meeting our neighbors to identify things that were different in the community. Like, you know, if you become really familiar with your neighborhood, you know if a person lives there or if they're visiting, 
you know if you see a strange car or a car that's been there all the time. So we have been able then to say, okay, we're going to be more vigilant in making sure that we identify areas that we can help our police be um, whatever way we want them to be to incorporate that in what we're doing in our neighborhood. We also identified we wanted uh, beautification. Um, there's a lot of traffic on uh, Mallory Street that runs uh, straight down to Buck Road to the beach. Um, there, of course, there are traffic signs there. There, there are speed limit signs there, but they are not always adhered to. So we wanted to, you know, make sure that something could be done to ensure that it was people were following the traffic sign limit and make it more friendly. So we have some suggestions as to what we think may happen or could happen, but we want to offer our assistance in making sure the word gets out to other people. And that's why we're continuing to do the surveys. We're continuing to reach out. We're we're broadening the group of persons that we're talking to and that we're sharing information with. So it becomes a community-wide effort. But the ABCD uh, process, that asset-based community development, Truly, we have the assets right there in our community to make our community so much better. And we can develop it together once they're identified. And that's the, the, I guess, not really the struggle, but that's the challenge now that more of us are doing it. And so it's becoming a more natural um, thing to happen. Years ago, it would have been so normal to identify what everybody did. You knew who was the carpenter. You knew who was the um, electrician. You knew who to call if you needed a plumber. So now it's just a matter of identifying those those gifts again to see where they are. So I know I can call on somebody to fix my cabinet door or my doorknob. So they're there. (laughs) We're just trying to get it together. Yeah. Pastor, I think one of the big things um, that I found – especially with this survey that's current, was really two questions. You know, if you had a magic wand, how would you make your your neighborhood better? And then the other one was, you know, if others had similar visions for change, would you be willing to partner with them? And I think those two questions alone on our current survey is the, are the things that are pulling people together. You know, we're finding out, yes, we have that asset in the community, the people who want to, you know, do music and teach football and, and organize and have those things. We have found that once we see that, you know, two or three people have kind of the same vision that we can then partner them together to help affect the community and once that a community is affected, then we affect change little by little as we move forward. I think those were two hugely positive uh, questions that came out of the survey. So, so these priority areas that you've identified are they are they really realistic to achieve, or, or are they just some another pipe dream program that's coming along the line? Well, I think that every program, you know, you're a pilot uh, until you have built the data, and that's what we're trying to do right now with the surveys and the feedback from the individuals is you build that data until you have reached a point where you can say, look, the evidence speaks for itself. We know we want this. We want more police participation, more patrolling. We know we can say... Yes, we've had more violent incidences on these particular corners. We need to have that patrol. So I think once we have that, then convincing the other people, our neighbors, to participate only becomes easier. And once you have the participation, then you can move the neighborhood to any level that we, that we need to have it at. You say the neighborhood that you need to have it at, are you talking about you personally or as a resident or are you talking about the community as a whole collectively deciding their court? The community as a whole, I think, has all the power to direct its course. Um, individually, I don't think that we can do it. And, and that is the has been the struggle. It's everybody has fought on their own to do something. And by putting uh, – 
some pieces in place right now where we're collaborative, we carry more weight that way going speaking with the city or speaking from even from neighbor to neighbor. We carry more weight doing that, understanding that, hey, we've come together. These are the things that not one or two people have seen or are concerned about, but we have uh, a group now that's willing to not only say, yes, there's a problem, but then work towards a solution that works for the community. And also what i found in us collaborating, we've discovered so many resources that so many of our neighbors have and what they have access to. Um, just becoming, just coming together and talking. You know, you never realize until you begin to do it how key communication, plain old communication is. Um, we've, we've discovered we haven't talked to each other enough to know enough about each other. So as we're doing more talking and more communicating, we're articulating to each other our feelings, our thoughts, our concerns. We're discovering what we have in common, those things that we can do to assist each other. So it's been an awesome experience just to communicate, just to talk with each other, to realize the significance that each of us has, and collectively we're going to do this together. And as um, Taiska has said, um, I think sometimes people, they want to see change, they want to make things happen, um, and they want to do it all themselves or think that they can, but we're realizing Nothing is going to happen until we come together as a body. And as we come together and have our discussions, we're also realizing we don't all speak alike. We don't all want the same thing. So when we come together and compromise to see what the real issue is, what it is we really want to accomplish, and then we, we identify that goal, and together we're working for one common cause. So the process itself has been very exciting uh, for all of us just to get to know each other and to open up other areas of communication. Well, during my 60-some years of life, you know, I've, I've seen things and I've realized certain things that even though we get these noble projects going in different places and we speak so highly favorable of them, there's always some folks in the community that, that, that are like, I don't know, the pain in the proverbial behind. Uh, are you dealing with them? Are you reaching out to them? You do, do you, have you identified them? And, and what role are they taking in this whole process? Absolutely, and we absolutely have. We absolutely do have persons within the community uh, that feel like, oh, okay, this is just another project. This ain't going to work. Excuse my grammar. Uh, <laughs> we've tried this before. Everybody needs to do what they need to do. But um, we have to have those persons within the community, uh, like myself. I consider myself one of them, who keeps it on the positive. You know, we keep, I'm looking at the glass half full and not half empty. Um, I don't think this has been a process that's been used before. Um, people probably have gotten together and maybe voiced their opinions or voiced their complaints or pointed the finger as what needs to be done and who needs to do it. But I'm not real sure they've taken the time to come together and collaboratively work together. So we're not um, we're not eliminating anyone in the community. We are making sure everyone, even those that we think may not be as positive, to know what we're doing and how we're doing it. We're always inviting them to participate so that they are so aware of it. And you know, our our hope and prayer is that they will see evidence. And they will see a demonstration of what this process is bringing and what it's doing and that it will have longevity. And it's not a one-time stop. It's not a one-time opportunity. It is a process that we're going to continue. And, you know, my hope is that those who may have a negative um, intonation of it, that they will say, you know what, Um, I'm just going to see how this is going to fly, you know. Um, seems like they are making some strides. Maybe I can just check it out a little while longer, and may, I might even want to join in. Well, how you know, are you dealing with some time ago? Go ahead, Kenny. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I say, some time ago, I, I ran across this analogy. You know, a, a, a drinking straw is extremely weak. 
but if you band them together, you be and you can stand them on in. You have something that you could literally stand on. The more you have, the stronger it becomes. And I think that's what's happening in our neighborhood. As more and more people start to understand the value of bringing the community together, and we band together, we get stronger. So those people who are naysayers at this point, as they start to see the strength of the community grow, I don't think that they have uh, any choice really but to say, you know what, I was wrong, and now I need to lend my support. And that one more straw, that one more person just makes us that much stronger. And I think that we will get to that point where we will be what we, we will see what we want to be. Well, what's the overall um, demographic in that Phoebus area that you guys are uh, working in or, or you reside in and work and play in uh, in terms of the racial makeup? And uh, what about the, the, the faith-based community in that area? Where, where are they with this whole um, approach to asset community development and transitioning the neighborhood? Well, um, as a pastor in the community, I have uh, made a strong effort to reach out to surrounding churches. In fact, we had an activity on um, June 3rd what, that we called our community explosion, and the um, I guess the general concept was for us to reach out to the churches surrounding in the community. They could come out and assist in many capacities, you know, financial or participatory in ministry or just to bring their congregants out. Because many times we're finding now that um, people don't live in the community in which they worship. But um, it's really important for the churches that are uh, physically located in Phoebus to be a part of the Phoebus community. So that was an intentional effort to have uh, faith-based in our community to come together. Uh, we didn't have as much participation as I had hoped for. However, we did have uh, some, and what we did have was, I mean, really great. Uh, churches that had not come together for any purpose were able to do that. We had a ministry selection from um, one of the churches. They're not maybe three blocks from my church. They came and did a musical selection. We have folks to come to donate other object, you know, items. Um, had one pastor help us with um, one of the uh, balloon activities that we did for the children. But we're finding there are people in our community, what I'm finding, as far as the people are concerned, they say they go to church. Um, I'm not sure where they go, uh, but they're always able to identify, uh, yes, I'm a church goer. Um, I'm noticing, though, the other part of the demographics are we have more seniors in certain parts of Phoebus, um, and their children have grown up and possibly left, gone to college and left and remained where they were to go to school or to work. So many of the seniors now have uh, their grandchildren with them. So we see an influx of smaller children, um, but not really a lot of the teenagers at least that's what I've seen since I've been there. Um, the racial mix, um, I'm not real sure what those percentages are. Um, I see a, a combination um, of ethnicities within our community, so I'm not sure if uh, there's any kind of you know direct distinction between them. But um, we're in a, a, a multicultural environment, uh, multi-age, multi-generational. So that's the way I see it. So uh, it, are those ethnic groups coming together and working as part of your core group, or, or are they, or more of them standing on the sideline and you're not getting that great participation from them? Yeah, well, we are getting participation from those that have, um, I guess, volunteered, those who have shown an effort, uh, those who have shown an interest. Um, and, again, uh, we've been intentional to reach areas in Phoebus where we know that description is different. For example, um, I mean, I can look at Mallory Street, and on one side, um, like West 
west of Mallory, we see uh, more seniors and maybe more African-Americans. Um, east of it, uh, more seniors, maybe, um, I guess, maybe maybe some millennials um, and more uh, maybe Asian, Anglo-Saxon, maybe Caucasian. So we're reaching those neighborhood, neighbors in those neighborhoods intentionally to make sure we aren't eliminating anyone and to make sure that they're informed. And in our discussion group, we're finding we do have persons of all ethnicities coming together with us. More African American. However, we do have us in this collaborative effort. Okay. Well, Ken, let me just ask you this. Do you have any children? Let me ask you this. Uh, that question. <laughs> My children are grown. So, but yes, I have two, uh, 26 and 21. Uh, and of course, they up and left the area. So for me, um, I don't have that that connection with the small ones anymore. Right. If you were just moving into Hampton, would you move into Phoebus now with small children? It would be a really hard sell at this point. You know, when I moved to Phoebus, I was a college student, uh, found a, a location that, that I liked because it was close to the campus. Um, but looking at what is happening in Phoebus, uh, it would it would make me think twice about it. Um, you know, just the the things that uh, you would want for your kids to be able to do. You know, be able to go out and play and you know in the playgrounds pieces. What the schools are like, uh, community centers. Although it's there, wasn't a thought when I first moved there. Um, but as we look at some of the issues that we have in the neighborhood stereotypical, I think that that would have been a hard sell at this point. So if that's the case, what's the biggest fear then? What would be your biggest fear besides the opportunities? Well, I think because we are looking at uh, what the crime rate escalation is, uh, how is that going to get controlled? Uh, I think that's probably the biggest fear. I mean, when I grew up in Chicago, we could walk everywhere, you know, two, three, four, ten blocks. And at this point within Phoebus, the reporting is that we have people who are scared to leave their blocks because they don't know what's going to happen around the corner. Um, And I think curving that is doing these surveys, getting to know our neighbors and understanding that, it is not the place that we have been stereotyped to be. So is that factoring in the change that's coming that, that people want or that you're desiring in the Phoebus community? I mean, obviously it has some effect on it, uh, but what is the controlling uh, factor there? Is it establishing relationships first or, or doing these safety things with police and, and, and those things to make the community safe first or or are we looking at getting established relationships in the community and let the community resolve those issues? Well, no doubt that safety is an issue. Um, okay. You know, everybody wants to live in a safe environment no matter where you are. However, I think that the relationship piece has been the missing link, not just in the Phoebus community, but in communities, I think, almost across the United States right now. Um, you know, we just don't take the time to get to know the to know our neighbors. You know, blame it on a lot of things. You know, technology and everybody's in front of a screen and we don't go outside. You know, we talk about all the time. Kids don't know how to play at this point. So that social skill has pretty much almost gone away. And as they mature and get older, they still don't have a social skill. Um, that translates into all kinds of uh, economic, social status problems. You know, when, when I can't communicate, I can't get a job. And if I can't get a job and I'm hanging on the street, that person who's walking down the street 
is fearful of why am I in the same place every day all the time? Why am I sitting on my porch and not moving? Um, so, yeah, we need to know who our neighbors are. I think that big piece is going to solve a lot of our problems uh, and help us to move forward. And, and I agree. Um, but I think, Charles, it's a combination of everything, um, coming together and collaborating and getting to know each other and developing relationships. That's a major part of it. But also seeing more safety issues addressed. That's a part of it. Um, all of us getting outside of our houses and coming together uh, to meet each other and greet each other outside, that's a part of it. So I think it's a combination of everything together that's going to create a positive environment and a feeling of safety, of better communication, and a way of making it a better place to live totally. So how do we... With so many churches, I, I think, I mean, I don't know, I'm counting maybe 10 churches in that area. Is that correct? Uh, yes, there are uh, 12, as a matter of fact. Okay, 12 churches, and, and, and you're saying, you said earlier it's mostly a transit, a drive-by church population, drive in, drive out on Sunday. Uh, only thing they're not doing is shooting at the community. Uh, so how do you effectively get the churches vested as neighbors in the community and, and not just another building with bricks sitting there that's that's disconnected from the neighborhood in the community well charles that's a hard one to sell um what i have discovered there are persons who live in the community that do attend some of those churches. So I have intentionally attempted to contact the pastors of the churches, um, and I've gotten some responses and others I have not. And I know pastors are busy just like I'm busy, and we have a lot of things on our agenda. Uh, but my one of my priorities is to make sure that I am a part of the community. Not saying that that's not their priority, but I'm saying I have intentionally um, gone to them and shared with them what our intentions are. But as I was saying, I have found that there are persons within the community that attend the churches who are very willing to be a part of this process. And so the more persons in the community that attend the churches, then they then can use that give that energy to other of their church members and the church members then can create that energy within their church to say, you know, we can do something not only as residents of this community, but we really can do something as uh, our church body can do something to enhance this entire process. So I guess we're working from the the back going to the front. Um, Mm. I have found that persons living in the community um, that go to the churches they can infuse that energy and they can begin that kind of conversation that may be coming from them can then get to the pastor and then that becomes a part of what that congregation wants to do um, in order to to fulfill what we want our dream would be um, for the churches and those pastors to really buy into what we're trying to do. So if I got a group of folks together with signs on Sunday morning and went to one of these churches and blocked the people from coming in, it wouldn't really affect anything, right? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure if it would or not. It would draw attention, and it would really draw attention to say, hey, okay, we've been locked up in these four walls. Uh, we might need to be paying attention to what's happening on the outside. It might be uh, a real way and a key and a catalyst for bringing about change. Like, we're out here, and where are you? You're inside. So it might not be a bad idea. Right, I think it's movement time. I see something coming now here. Um, can you get the sign? Don't give, me any, don't give me any ideas now. Don't give me any ideas. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that may be time to do something like that. You mentioned earlier that the city is walking beside you guys. What What is their role? Are they running the process or, or, or are they just walking beside the community uh, as you develop these priorities? 
Yeah, they're literally walking beside us. Um, there's a person, Jim Moynihan, that has actually been hired by the city to help us in developing this ABCD process as we're walking through it. Um, they are not to, this, um, my concept of the process, uh, they are not to be the persons, quote, unquote, in charge of what's happening. Um, they are to walk us through, to give us a helping hand, to offer their services and resources, to give us guidance through the process, and to be a uh, positive influence, not to influence us for what they want to make happen, but for us to create what it is we see that's needed and necessary. Um, considering we're making those decisions together, what we feel like we want our priorities to be in our community, and they are willing and very able and accessible to us to create those resources to help guide us along the way. Um, I really, that's a great thing I like about the process. No one is dictating to our community what needs to be done or what should be done. We are creating that. We're creating our concept, what we want it to look like, and together we're working with them for them to assist us with making it all happen. Okay. But yeah. It's obvious. Go ahead, Kitty. I'm sorry. I would say one of the awesome things is that, you know, the, the dialogue that's happened in the small groups that has transitioned to the city, you know, we've made requests simple pieces that we thought would make our life that first step better. And the city has really responded. Um, something as simple as, hey, we need a, a pol- uh, more police presence, presence around the community center. You know, we'd like to get someone out to walk to meet, you know, the kids in the neighborhood so, they, so that they understand that not all of the kids out here are bad and causing trouble, as they say. Um, those kind of things that the city has said, you know what, you have shown an effort and we're going to meet you at that point, I think goes a huge, long, long way uh, in this process. Is that only because what you're doing does not buttress or bump up against the city's master plan for that area? I don't know if we're, we would be bumping against their master plan, but I think that they realize that the people in the community will eventually drive that community in one direction or the other. Either they're going to let it go and it's going to be an issue where they spend more time there, or they can be a help or a partner in the catalyst for change where it becomes a model community that everybody then wants to be a part of. And you have such diversity in that community, as most communities do, uh, but not as much as uh, as some. But you have these public housing areas, and you, you get surrounded by some renters and then some homeowners mixed in between. How do you uh, satisfy the folks that are in the public housing area that feel a disconnect from the rest? I mean, in, in your case, it's a curve in the road or something that separates everybody. Well, I think that's the 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 great part about where we started. Um, the Phoebus, North Phoebus Community Center is right at the corner of this housing community where they look and they see, you know, the police car, the police presence, and they now have someone that they can go to. You know, they, they get to know that particular police officer who's sitting there. That police officer has now developed a relationship with the people who are running that community center. I think that the the housing project itself is really where we needed to begin because that is saying to the rest of the community, you know, if this one little area can do it, why can't the rest of it? It's like the little engine, the little engine that could, right? Up the exactly. <laughs> and the other piece of that is the person who's the president of the housing residential uh, uh, place and also the young lady who's the manager, they have been um, at grassroots with us. They are part of the connectors and the conveners, so they have a buy-in. So because they can, they're there to be a part of it, they take that information back to the residents in which they live. 
so the, the, the connection and the communication is just so vibrant. Uh, we really think we're making some really good strides, and we're making progress because of the enthusiasm and the persons that are identified who represent that portion of this city as well. All right. Thank you much for the rich conversation today. Uh, Pastor Bill Roberts' house opened to a full gospel Baptist church fellowship in Hampton, Virginia, in the beautiful section of Jeebus, and Kenneth Taishka, a resident there. He was going to buy me lunch tomorrow. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for the conversation. We look forward to you Thank tuning you. in again next week, uh, next Thursday at 1 o'clock, when we'll have uh, Daniel Wilson on here talking about Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.